Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. This message is, um, it's about living in God's best. And so I love what Garth said last week. He started off our series with this great, I thought was great, um, great message about the extraordinary love of God. He called it the fierce love of God. That is so, you know, there for you, Lee. Even on the job site, man, God's just chasing you down. I mean, God apprehended me 12 stories on a building doing steel fixing in Sydney. Uh, Bill, where is he? He'd know that sort of language, 12 stories up. Yeah, he's a crane guy in Sydney, big cranes. And I was up there. God was in my world at that moment. I wasn't a minister, but I was teetering on the edge of being called into ministry and trying a little bit, not to push back, but I was really wanting to get the final final resolve of stepping out with my young family into ministry and uh, I was 12 stories up I had this big piece of RSJ on my shoulder and I was walking across a beam and the Lord literally pulled me up and I remember just and he's speaking to me and I just remember stopping and, and just having to work out what he was saying to me and I just thought then, in the next moment, I go, oh, people think I'm crazy just standing here like this. Uh, and, and it can be embarrassing following the Lord. It can be embarrassing, you know. But, but you know what? God spoke to me at that time. And uh, that was another, another uh, message that the Lord gave to me to say, I am about bringing you to a new place of realizing that I have way much more for you than what you presently think. And because there is a bigger story to your life. There's a domestic story. I did that for so long. Pushing prams and going to work. And but then I realized there was a bigger story to my life. And it took a massive shift of trust in God that he had me covered, especially in providing for my family, which men ultimately really are designed to do. And so this was a challenge of trusting God. So that's basically what I want to talk to you about this morning, trusting God. Are you up for that? You got your Bibles? Let's do it. Come on. Let's believe for God to speak to us this morning. This message is called Living in God's Best. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. I'm going to take you through some scriptures. I'm going to take you to a, a great story in the Old Testament. I'm going to share with you and try and show you how, you know, the quandary in life of trusting God or doing it your own way in your own strength, Rachel. I don't see you doing that. I see you trusting God, you know, doing it according to the ways of the Lord. It is an extraordinary lifestyle to really trust God. 
in all your life. So I want to help you this morning in doing that. You're all good? Trust is foundational to experiencing the incredible life God offers us in relationship with Him. Did you get that? Trust. Trust. Trust is a commodity of the heart that is only truly given when, when someone or something proves proves itself trustworthy i can only trust my vehicle to the extent that i believe it will get me to where i need it where i need to go is that right garth garth's here from nairobi he's been given a car we're very thankful for that car foresters 1968 model? No, what is it? No. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice car. But Garth expressed some concerns about the noise it was making uh, in the back end. And I thought, look, he's just been a bit dramatic. But I actually drove the car. And actually, I can see what you're saying. When you said to me, I'm fine driving it on the coast, but I'm not sure about driving it to Sydney. Oxford Falls in particular. And he was sort of, I think, hinting, is there another available vehicle in the Oldfields household? Well, there is. There's some nice cars available, in particular a Ranger, a Ford Ranger, Wild, Wild Track, and uh, Julie's little Saab. And, uh, but Garth, I know he loves the Ranger, so we lent him the Ranger he tuned his phone, he adjusted the seat. Do I need to say any more? Um, and uh, yeah, I jump in my car this morning and my phone's not working. Why not? It's a Garth Ball's iPhone. Thank you, Garth. So you didn't trust that car to go to Sydney, basically, did you? No. Um, scripture makes powerful declarations about those who choose to place their trust in God over the world and even themselves. Amen? So let me give you some scriptures. You up for it? Here we go. All right, let's go. Psalm 22. Psalm, we're not going to be late this morning. Psalm 22, verse 4 and 5 says this. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Love that. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, says But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And Jeremiah 17, verse 7 says, simply says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is in the Lord. Do you, do you love that? Now, can I say this? We serve a God who is completely, can I say, at my age, I won't tell you how old I am, because, you know. 61. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> Thank you, darling. <laughs> we serve a God who is completely, at my age, that age that Julie just said, I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> I don't mind getting called Pop. I don't mind getting called Grandpa. 
unlike Mick Jagger, who said, that your children are not going to call me Pop or Grandpa. I'm just not there yet. Uh, you know, he was about 60-odd. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. But um, God, can I say, at those number of years that Julie mentioned, <laughs> I know this. I know this, that God is trustworthy with my family. And I'm very protective of my family. I'm very protective of my family. And I know for a fact he's proven himself so much in my life. He is trustworthy. He has just met me at the 11th hour sometimes and in his timing, but without a doubt, I know I can trust him. We serve the God who, and you know the scripture, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know that? God has already given us everything. He's done enough, guys. He's done enough to earn our trust, wouldn't you say? But no matter how trustworthy God is and proves he's trustworthy, we still need to make a decision. We still need to make the most important decision. This is going to be the most major statement I make. We still need to make the most important decision in our life, that is to trust God. To trust God. To place our trust in God is to find our lives on the unshakable, unshakable, powerful, loving, resourceful character of our Heavenly Father. Can I hear an amen? amen? I should be getting amens after every statement. I'm deliberately giving you statements for you to respond. He alone, get this guys, He alone has the ability to provide for us. Listen to this, men. Husbands who have families, love their children, want to protect for them, provide for them. He alone has the ability, the supernatural ability to provide for you, to protect you, to save you, to deliver you, to heal you, to prosper you, to keep you safe. We went camping in the early 90s. I don't know where this came from, but it was the early days of camping for the old fields in our tent. Someone, we'd bought it. It was just an average-looking tent. But we went to Coolum, North Queensland, helped me, Sunshine Coast, and we needed to stay the night, and we decided Coolum Beach, and it was howling. I got the tent up. I don't know how I got it up, but we got it up. And our kids, keyboard player, worship leader, daughter, and Jessica gone uh, with kid um, they were down there like that I could tell they were just a little bit apprehensive about this onshore wind that was you know taking out almost this tent but I was just praying I just pray there'd be a lull I just pray that you know this tent stays up and praise God the wind and I love this word abated do you like that word Ken abated it abated, and, and I, I just wasn't quite still happy. I was worried, and is it going to... Is it gonna, We've had some dramatic um, episodes with our church tent five years on this land where the tent got blown down twice. Uh, but, you know, that night, 
God said to me again, I'm for you. I'm going to protect your family. Little episodes like this are speaking to us that God cares for you. When we place our hope in Him, we anchor our lives, our emotions, our finances, our relationships, our future. It's all in Him. He cares for us. He loves us. And He promises never to leave us or forsake us. Is that right? Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Mm. Mm. Love that. He's there, Jules. He's right there. Fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You do not have to go through life on your own, friends. You don't have to make a way for yourself. You don't have to work for this love of God that Garth was talking about so wonderfully last week, this love. You don't have to earn and work at it to get God's love, to get God to like you, to get God to provide for you. You don't have to work at it. God's fierce love is right there, but you have to trust. Is that too warm, guys? It's not warm? Obviously, I wore the wrong shirt then. When you place your trust in God, give Him your heart. That's right. When you trust Him with your heart, when you follow Him, you discover the wealth of this abundant life that God has for you and I. You discover the abundant life in the unseen realm that God has for you. And it's way beyond what the world can give you. Amen? The creator of all, the author and perfecter of your faith, is beckoning you to a place to trust Him and Him alone. Did you hear that? He's he's beckoning you just to go one more step. At least one more step. Just one more step. He's beckoning you to stop trusting in the world or trusting in your own strength. Trust Him. Place your trust in Him alone today and experience peace and the joy and and just the, the good vibes of knowing that He's got you. Young people, listen to this, that He's got you. Right, let's get into it. Gideon, uh, let me take you to the Scripture, Judges 6, verse 11 and 14. Living in God's best is being God-dependent, God-dependent. Um, I'll just start motoring and because, yeah, if it's a different version slightly, it's okay. The angel of the Lord came down, sat down under the oak of Oprah. That belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon, say Gideon. Gideon. It's the story of Gideon, guys, Okay. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's what happened to Garth. That's what happened to Evan. Evan's a ballonet on his bike, looking at the waves. And God says to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Garth is minding his own business. He's a school teacher. God says to him, The Lord is with you. 
mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midians. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Let me back it up this story a little bit. During the time of Gideon, the Israelites were being oppressed by the Midianites. This is an Old Testament story. Who would come down, take away all the Israelites' uh, foodstuffs. Gideon was thrashing away, trying to, you know, trying to create some food for himself. Uh, he's hiding, he's behind a wine press. He's concealed from his enemies. He was hiding and trying to beat out a little bit of grain so he could have something to eat when the angel appeared to him and declared, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon responded, if I am a mighty man of valor, where are all God's mighty works that our fathers told us about? You know how he delivered them from the Egyptians, brought us into the land and performed all these other miracles. So that's what some of us are actually saying, because we've, Julianne, you've seen days of, man, down at Oxford Falls, signs and wonders in the 80s and in the 90s. Things were moving, weren't they, quite incredibly through the ministry of uh, C3, our movement. And, and there are times when God is moving, and people my age are looking back to that time, Garth, and saying, well, where are those days now? You know, where, the, where are those days of, of, of uh, you know, people dramatically blessed and touched of the Lord and, and healed? And, and, and it's still happening. It's all still happening. But we've we got to continue to believe for it, and it will come again. We're all, it will become dramatic again, amen? And, and people will get touched of God and be on the altar and, and uh, you know, passionately responding to God, and it'll be awesome. But a lot of people interpret this scripture I just read as Gideon criticizing the angel and saying, no, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't believe we're going to see days of glory again. I don't believe we're going to see those days again. I don't believe we're going to see the, the miracle of the Red Sea opening and, and you know, water out of a rock and, and quail in the desert. I, I don't believe you. But he actually wasn't saying that. I like what... Um, Andrew, what's his name, uh, Gary Womack says, he says he personally looks at it in the opposite way. He believes Gideon had heard about the miraculous beginnings of the nation of Israel and was sick and tired of living a substandard life. Are you tired of living a substandard life sometimes? Refusing to yield to the enemies who was forcing Israel to live that way. He was doing what he needed to do create a little bit of food but in his heart in his heart Gideon was tired of living under the enemy's oppression who gets a little bit like that sometimes and he genuinely wanted God's best who wants God's best who wants God's best put your hand up if you want God's best you need to let heaven see your response so the angel responded saying go with you go one version says go with your might or go with your strength, and God will be with you. Judges 6.14 says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, the angel was basically rewarding him 
for wanting more than what his life was giving him thus far. Amen? One of the first steps, can I say this to you, one of the first steps to seeing the supernatural power of God, and this is how we did see a move of God those years ago that we lived through, that this church lived through. One of the first steps we need to do is basically say, I'm not going to live like this any longer. We're going to pray, we're going to believe, and we're going to position ourselves for the blessings of God. Amen? That, that's what you've got to do. You, you just got, that's what I did in the 70s. I had a great 70s, lots of dancing, lots of fun. But I got to about 80, 81, and I was living with the guys down at Illawong, oh, yeah. just across the road from you. <laughs> he was at Como, I think. I'm not sure. But I said, I'm tired of this. Yeah, I like these guys. I like Midnight Oil and the bands from the 70s. Saw them all start. But you know what? I got, I got tired of it. And I could hear God. So you're not happy with this? So this way? So this band? And when I started to open up the question of my best life, that's when God started to really consolidate what He was saying to me. From my heart, I was realizing I deserve better. I was stuck. You stuck maybe in a dead-end job? You're waiting for the T, what do they call it? T-G-I-F? Thank God it's Friday. You're stuck in a job like that? Look, guys, you've got to work. You know, don't, don't ditch your job yet. But life's not a dress rehearsal. It's the real deal. And you're burning, you're burning daylight, man. You want to you be able to know that you're going forward, hearing God, you've got traction. You, 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 you're born not to be normal. You're special. I do what I do, but it's not what maybe you need to do. And you're doing what you're doing, but it's not what... I need to do. Everyone has a unique position in life, a unique role, and you just got to know that that's what you got to do in terms of God. And yes, we're going to do all these normal jobs. Not everyone's going to be, you know, a rock star or a preacher or, or but you got to know what I'm doing with my life is ordained by God. What I'm doing with my life, with my family, with my talents, my time, my treasure, what I'm doing with it is what God is happy with. You're so special. You're unique. He doesn't make normal. He doesn't make average. The most unique person that we had in this church that served this church when it first started was a man who was run over by a truck and two cars and in a coma in Brisbane Hospital for one year. And he used to walk. His arm was paralyzed and he had a stroke, of course, through that accident. And, but that guy had a ute and that guy had the only ute in our church at that time and he would pick up all the equipment from the storage bay and bring it to the school hall and help us set it up, 
tear it down. And, and he was our prayer partner, Frank, for seven years on Chapman Hill. Six o'clock, religiously, he would be there. And if you were a minute late, including me, he would let you know about it. <laughs> so don't give me that story, I'm only this and I'm... A, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God made you special and your life counts. And you need to know that you have a life of a calling and a purpose to fulfill. Yet many people settle for less. I love this scripture, James 4, 6-7 says, but he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I'll back that up. But he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So humility versus self-dependence. Humility is submitting yourself to God. It's yielding to him. According to 2 Chronicles 16.9, the Lord is looking for someone who is humble and submitted to him. His eyes, this is God's eyes, eyes Find the one who is hungry and who desires him. The one who isn't satisfied with what everybody else is settling for. Humility is submitting ourselves to God and resisting the devil. The devil flees from us when we do that. Sadly, we don't resist the devil a lot of the times. Unconsciously or consciously, we do crazy stuff, we all do it, where we partake of stuff that life offers us and we find ourselves hoodwinked or sidetracked or, or, or deceived by the things of the world. Amen? And we don't live in the best of what God has for us. Humility is being God-dependent instead of self-dependent. It's trusting the Lord instead of your own strength and your own ability. Man, now I'm going to release a little story if I can. Is that cool? King Asa. King Asa. Another Old Testament story. Thank you, King Asa, for teaching us a lesson. This was King Asa's uh, problem in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 1 and 6. The kingdom of Israel had broken. Let me just break it down for a bit. The king of Israel had broken into two parts. The northern ten tribes were called Israel and the southern two tribes were called Judah. Asa was king over Judah. The king of Israel came against him and began to build a town called Ramah. The town was strategically located where it could cut off Judah's supplies and prevent communication with another country or with the other countries. Its purpose was to bring about Judah's defeat and demise. Amen? So the word says that when the king of Israel built Ramah and began the siege, King Asa took all the gold, the silver, now get this, the king, the king took all the gold and silver and treasures that were in the house of the Lord, all of the wealth, sent it to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, saying, let there be a league between you and I, go and attack Israel, the idea was that Israel was busy fighting a war with Syria. They would be able to also fight with Judah. That they wouldn't, would be able to also fight with Judah. But Ben-Hadad, 
took all of the treasures, listened to Asa's request, and then attacked the king of Israel. So the king of Israel had to abandon his siege of Judah and discontinued building the town of Ramah. And you might say, what's wrong with that? Taking this opportunity, King Asa commanded all of his people then to go to Ramah and just scatter all the stones, take it apart so they couldn't rebuild it, basically. They destroyed everything that Israel had built. Asa basically had won the battle without costing any human life. And uh, his, his armies, they weren't, weren't expended, no one died. And uh, of course, because he'd hired the Syrians to go and attack the, uh, the, the Israelites, Israel. And in this way, the problem was solved. Does it sound like it's solved? And most of us would think, problem solved. What's wrong with that? Problem solved. But God had a different perspective. All right. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 7, 8 says, At that time, Hanai, the seer, the prophet, the seer, came to ha- the seers and the prophets would come to the king and tell them what God was actually saying. The seer and the prophets would go to the king and say, look, that's great, that's not great. So this is a seer coming to Asa, King Asa, and basically saying this, uh, 16 verse 7, At that time, Hanai, the, the, the seer, came to Azar, king of Judah, and said to him, because, of you, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites, the Libyans, a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, when you relied on the Lord... He delivered them into your hand. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Keep this in mind when we turn back and look at a few verses in 2 Chronicles 14 that speak of when Asa first came to power and began to reign as king. Can we just go to 2 Chronicles 14? 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 14. This is going to help me, this story. 2 Chronicles 14, 2 to 7. All right. Asa did what was good. And this is when he first came in. This is when the king, Asa, first took up leadership in Judah. And this is the story. Let's go back. Let's go back before that story I told you just then. Let's go back. All right. As Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord, his God, He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, cut down the uh, Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord. This is all good. This king's great. The God of their ancestors and to obey the laws and commands. All good so far. All good. He removed the high places. Awesome. That's what we did on the the lookout up here. We removed the high stuff, built up stuff against, you know, against this region. We took that down through prayer. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. This is a great story. He built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Let us build up these towns, said, uh, and he, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. 
The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought Him and He has given us rest on every side. So they, so they built and prospered. Seeking God, asking God, inquiring of God, and they prospered. Does that sound good? 2 Chronicles 14, 8, 11. Um, did I read that? No, 8, 11. Chronicles 8, 11. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah equipped with large shields, with uh, spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. Zara the Cushite uh, marched out against them with an army of a thousand upon thousand. What's a thousand upon thousand? That'd be a million. And 300 chariots and came as far as Merishah. Azar went out to meet him and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephatah near Merishah. Then Azar called to the Lord. All good. This is great. Then Azar called to the Lord his God and said, Let there, let, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, our God, for we rely on you and your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. It's all good stuff. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen? So what do we got? About 500,000 of Asar troops, about a million of the opposition. But because their eyes were on the Lord and they were seeking His help, and they humbled themselves before the Lord, they won the battle. Note this, you aren't humbling yourself when you try to figure everything out on your own. You aren't submitting to God when you just go and do it all yourself. Although most people would recognize or call such actions pride, that's exactly what you're operating in. Most people think of pride as someone exalting themselves or considering themselves better than everyone else. Would that be right? However, pride, however, pride, however, pride at its root is simply depending on self. That was a great revelation right there. So it's not someone about grandstanding, I'm better than you, I'm the king of the castle. That's what you did when you were a kid. But when you're older, it's your way or the highway, pride. Amen? However, pride at its root is simply depending on self. It's when someone decides they're just going to figure it out and do it on their own. The journey is more important, but, amen? When Asa humbled himself and cried out to God for help, he came to his aid. 2 Chronicles 14, 12 to 15. 2 Chronicles, help me with this, guys. 14, 12 to 15. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah, the, Jusha, uh, the Cushites, Gushites fled. Asa and his army pursued them as far as... Anyway, he, he did all that, overcame the enemy, and God is good. This was the multitude referred to in 2 Chronicles 16, 8 and 9 that God delivered into King Asa's hand when he trusted, delivered 
and called upon him. 2 Chronicles 16.8. I'm nearly there, guys. We're not the Cushites and Libyans, a mighty army. He's going, we're not the Cushites. And you remember those million-odd Cushites, Libyans, a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. The seer, the prophet is saying, you've done a foolish thing. From now on, you will. You won that battle in the natural. You won that battle in the flesh. But from now on, you got the result what you wanted. But from now on, Josh, from now on, you will be at war. You will be at war. Whoa. What is this suggesting? He was rebuked. King Asa was rebuked. And the Lord basically said to Asa, I had planned on giving the Israelites into your hand and you would have conquered the Syrians too, but now you've gone and made a treaty with the Syrians. Not only have the Israelites escaped out of your hand, but the Syrians have too. God's whole plan for King Asa was thwarted by Judah, in particular the king's um, trusting in himself. What we have to understand is that it's not a matter of just obtaining the right result. It matters how you get there. This is in your finances and everything, guys. You might do something, you know, a bit shady, and yeah, it might look fantastic, but... I tell you what, God's not smiling on that. His eyes are not looking around for people who are conniving and swindling. And he's looking at people who are just trusting him to the nth degree and saying, I see their heart. I see what they're trying to do. It's a good thing. Now's my time to supernaturally intervene. Boom. Million opposition defeated. Or something's defeated. A, a cancer, a a debt, uh, a situation defeated in the power of God. Amen? It's the journey, guys. It's about the journey. It's not about the results. King Asa comp compromised himself. How can I wrap this up? I think you basically got it. Asa, unfortunately, was angry with the seer. 16 verse 10, he was angry. He was angry that the, 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 the messenger was saying this stuff. You should have trusted in God. What did you do? What did you do that for? You should, have you should have did it God's way. Now he's angry. It says Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. So don't shoot me. Don't get upset with the message, please. Don't shoot the messenger. It's, it's, it's about... <laughs> and became angry with the Lord's messenger and rejected both him and God's message. His eyes are searching. His eyes are searching on hearts that trust in him, believe in him and believe that he can intervene, that he can do what he said he will do. The reality is, we've got to trust God in some awkward situations, but his grace is sufficient. Amen? His grace is sufficient. And listen to me, guys. The old covenant, yeah, there was, you know, there was judgment. They received judgment from God. There's no judgment in God now. All the judgment was put on the cross of Calvary. Amen? He took that punishment. But now, because of decisions that we make, Stuff will happen or won't happen according to our bad choices. Amen? Can I just say that? His fierce love is towards you. 
His fierce love is towards you, absolutely. But still, you've got to live a principled, obedient life in God. If you live principled and obediently, as instructed by the voice of God in your heart, as instructed by the Word of God, as instructed by your godly leaders, if you do that, His eyes are like this. He's going, man, I can see that they're trying to do the right thing. I'm onto that. I'm on that. Boom, He's right there for you. But if He sees you in your own strength, in your own pride, saying, oh, they're just trying to work it out themselves again, are they? All right, well, we'll just let them continue to do that. See, life is about a journey. It's not about the result. It's about the journey that we're on of how we pull up at the end of our days and look back and say, did I really trust God with that life, with my family, with my marriage, with my finances, with my health, with my friends? Or did I connive? Did I manipulate? Did I dodge? Did I weave? Did I... Or did I just get saved and say, God, your grace... I need your grace. I need your grace to live this life. I, I, I'm just, I just can't. Let's all, let's all just stand just for a moment. Just uh, stand. I, I, I need your grace, Lord God, to walk these days out. This life is, is it's complicated. Lord, I, I need grace. You, you said that you would, you would draw close to those who draw close to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Let's just let's ask the Lord where we're placing trust in. Who or what? are you placing your trust in? Who do you see as your provider, source of happiness, or foundation for your future? Let's just pray. Lord, I place my trust in you alone. I cast the cares of my life on your shoulders and receive the sustaining peace. Just say that. And receive the sustaining peace peace you know a man i'm picking on the men this morning but men hold such a burden i had such a burden to work every hour i could to provide for my family in the 80s the 90s i was working because i felt the gravity of the situation to provide for my family when I really should have trusted God to provide for my family. And that was my last hurdle in going into ministry, Mick. God, I want my kids to have a lifestyle of care, of welfare, of... of, of good food on the table, warm bed. Can you, can you do that, God, if I go into ministry? Can you honestly do that? The stories I've heard of people in ministry? Trust me. 
trust me, my son, trust me. I've got your family. I've got your children. I've got you. And you know what started to happen? Boxes of fruit would just turn up on my front door. Towels, when our towels had holes in them, these old maroon towels, I still remember them. So embarrassing if a visitor came to the house, holes through these old beat up maroon towels that had been left out in the sun too long, been through too many washing machines. And you know what? Someone left us six beautiful, top of the range towels. The kids would dance. Whoa, we got a new towel. This is my towel. No, this is my towel. God started to show me that he loved my family, that he would provide for them all the, all the days. And that's the, that kept on happening. Then they dropped soap off. And then we find big toilet roll. That was embarrassing. Big sitting on the front door, big toilet roll thing. Huh? better than newspaper (laughs) God I know I can say at this age that you my friend can trust God to the nth degree he knows every hair on your head he knows every hair on the head of your children his eyes are looking to those who need and want grace in their life and supernatural help, care and welfare from an almighty God who created the universe. I I can't offer a better deal than that. I cannot offer a better deal to you by simply saying to you, you need to trust God. Okay, here we go. Father, Psalm 22, verse 4 and 5, In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.